Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I want to ask you to do me a favor, stand back up. We want to make sure that all previous Catholics are comfortable with up and down, up and down. You know, we do get used to stuff like that. Church, I grew up when we did it too. I wasn't Catholic, but we, we were up and down. So we got our workouts, our cardio. We didn't have to go to the gym on Sunday. So hold your Bible up, your iPad. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, one of the reasons we do this is because uh, repetition is the mother of learning, and whenever we say something out loud, it gets into our soul and our spirit. And uh, some of you have remembered this confession for a long time. And uh, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, greatest weapon we have to fight against the, the fight of the enemy. Bible truths change everything, and uh, including us. I want to ask you to do something with me today. You can stay seated, but um, there has been a real epidemic, a flu epidemic in our city. I found out this week that in, in just Yukon school districts alone, they had an absentee rate of over 40%. One school was fully closed and uh, had no idea that the flu had hit us that hard. And then I was in Texas uh, last week, and they have suffered 2,300 flu-related deaths in Texas. And so we need to pray. That's number one. Uh, And it affects all of us to some degree, whether you're an employee, an employer, a pastor, a leader, whatever it might be, a family member. You know, it affects us. And we want to pray that it stops. Uh, secondly, uh, my fifth grandchild was brought into the world just nearly two weeks ago, two weeks ago tomorrow, and some of you follow Chris and Whitney, um, and uh, it's so beautiful. We have so much fun because Whitney's African-American, my son is translucent. <laughs> and uh, I mean, the boy is the definition of white, and so... I told Whitney, I said, now when she got pregnant, I said, you got to bring some color into the crow house. And so as a result, they had this beautiful, beautiful baby. And, uh, and so brought him home. Everything was great. Nine pounds, six ounces, big kid. Uh, and, uh, but, but he had been home just a couple of days, two or three days. And Whitney, being the incredible person and mother and Christian she is, really had this discerning that he had temperature. She thought, well, we're not going to try to bring it down. We're going to take him to the emergency room. Sure enough, come to find out, uh, it, it saved his life. Uh, after all the tests, I'll cut the story a little short, they did find, find E. coli in his bloodstream, but because they'd started antibiotics early, uh, it killed it out, so he's able to breathe, and he's doing well. So... Um, but I would greatly appreciate your continued prayers as Chris and Whitney are exhausted uh, and, and little Asher is doing really well, improving. But we know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the, the thing that you, I didn't share was just over a year ago they uh, miscarried. So they had already gone through a difficult time. And uh, now that they have this beautiful little child, of course, 
you know, the demonic activity wants to discourage the blessed life. And so I want to ask if you just join with me to pray for families who are uh, battling the flu and pray with my family. Uh, Asher is supposed to be out of the hospital Wednesday. Really great signs of improvement, leaps and bounds. But how many of you know that when things are going good is the time to keep praying just as hard? We never stop praying. Father, we thank you so much that when you sent your son into the world, you didn't just send him to bring salvation. You sent him to bring healing. He is known as Jehovah Rapha, the healer. And so, Jesus, we look to you as our healer today. And uh, I pray for all the families who have been touched by the flu and, and, uh, and all the struggles they've had to go through and the fights to get through it. And, and Lord, we pray for the families who have lost loved ones as a result of this, the flu. Uh, we ask you, Lord, to bring peace into their homes. But right now today, we plead the blood of Jesus over our nation and specifically over our city and our state that you would stop this uh, flu bug and that, Lord, you would touch the families and strengthen them to get on the other side of this. And I pray for Chris and Whitney and, and little Asher, God, that you would bring strength to Chris and Whitney's body as they've lost so much sleep and, and, and just anxiety caused as a result of, of uh, the sickness that uh, little Asher has had. But, Lord, we pray for Asher. We plead your blood over him. And we thank you, Lord, that by your stripes he is healed and that he is whole. And uh, we declare these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for that. I really appreciate it. Um, it's, you know, as a, a grandfather, which uh, it's hard to believe I, I could be a grandfather at 38. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and so... Uh, Anyway, um, we've been talking about friends, and when I think about even where we are today with the sicknesses going around, how priceless it is to have people who will walk through all kinds of things with you. And really good friends will be there in the dark times as well as the light times. And you know, if people fail to be with you in the down times, they don't deserve to be with you in the successful times. And so the true test of friendship is... Those people that walk into your life while many others are walking out. And, uh, you know, people use excuses uh, to rid themselves of you. And, and uh, we, we have a tendency to do that. And the reality is, I think most of the time, it's not a hatred. It's a, it's a fear of not knowing how to handle what we're going through. And what I've learned over the years as a minister, it's not always what we say that helps another person. It's just being present that changes them. Knowing that you were there, knowing that you cared, knowing that you stood with them, knowing you didn't run out because you didn't know what to say or what to do. Uh, we can be friends, and we, we need to learn how to be friends. I use the premise that we go back in Genesis when God said it's not good for man to be alone. And we know the context of that was referencing a wife in that situation. But if you take it in the broader context, it's not good for man to be alone. The Bible says two are better than one, which means, again, it's not good for us to be alone. And so the great challenge with this is that obviously uh, unhealthy relationships and unhealthy friendships uh, don't produce for us uh, what we would like or what we need. So I'm talking about friendship and relationships, hopefully to shed some light on what a healthy relationship looks like. Um, the Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. So in the process of friendship, there oftentimes will be sparks. The question is, what's producing those sparks? Is it a right weld? Is it a, 
you know, is it the kind of thing that is producing strength because that's really what sparks do. My uncle was a welder and, and man, I would go watch him weld his sparks flying everywhere. But there was the forging together of steel and that when sparks are flying in a healthy relationship, that means that it's not something that's dividing us. It's something that's fortifying that relationship, making us stronger than we would be if that other person was not in that relationship. And so the real challenge is, how can I be a good friend? What does that look like? Well, let me start with this. Good friends don't always tell us what we want to hear. I like it when they do, but they don't always tell us what we want to hear. Sometimes they tell us what we need to hear. And sometimes we need to hear things. Now, please get this, because some of you type A people, I just licensed you to go rebuke somebody, and that's not what I intended to do. First off, the Bible is the foundation for every friendship and relationship. God sent Jesus in the world to build a bridge between us and him again because he wanted to be our friend. That's how come Jesus said, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friend. And so God wants friendship. He wants relationship. But here's what, what we have to understand is there are times in our lives when we need to hear something that will help us be a better friend to someone else. If you want friends, show yourself friendly. Now, a real good friend doesn't try to shame you, doesn't try to condemn you, doesn't try to uh, manipulate you. Uh, uh, in other words, if uh, I'm not invited somewhere uh, to, to a party that maybe, you know, I think these people are my friends, I don't get offended. Because, you know, the reality is I could, I could make them feel bad enough to invite me next time. That's not what friends do. You don't make somebody feel bad in order for them to draw near to you or you to them. You make people feel better. Everybody will want you at the party if you're making them feel like kings and queens. People want to be around people who encourage them and give them hope and shed light into their darkness. People will want to be around you if that's the kind of person you are. And so what we have to realize is if we're going to be friends and we're going to be the kinds of friends other people want to be around, we are constantly looking at how to make their life better. Now, first off, if a friend is really a friend, they will tell you the truth. And, but truth doesn't mean that it has to be mean. I was out on Lake Austin with a friend of mine, pastors of church in Austin, and uh, we were out on a boat one day. It was a beautiful day, and uh, we just find us sitting around talking about God, and we, we regularly get together to talk about sermons and series and what, what is God doing. And we're sitting out there, and we, we, we were talking about... Uh, all these church things. Well, there was one particular pastor that I just didn't like that much. And uh, since I was such good friends with Rob, I felt the liberty to begin to say something about that. And it wasn't redemptive in any way. It was punitive. And Rob looked at me, and he responded in a way that hit me but it didn't hit me wrong I realized what he was saying was right it was biblical that we don't talk about people we talk to people and that if I needed to talk about this guy I needed to talk about it from the frame of reference that I have the problem he doesn't have the problem I'm the one with the problem if I don't like somebody even if you say well they're not very likable it's still my problem I have a responsibility to love everybody, 
There's not one person on earth Jesus doesn't love. And quite frankly, there's not one person on earth he doesn't like. Now, there are things that people do that he wishes they wouldn't do, but he still likes them. And so we're called to like everybody. But how do we like everybody? You can't like everybody if you get around people who will encourage you not to like everybody. And so that one word stopped me. Now, this, this guy is one of my very best friends to this day. For over 30 years, we've been friends. And it hit me in that moment that this is a true friend. Someone who literally puts a demand on God's best in my life. That truth is what liberates us. I will never forget that moment. And so when I start talking to somebody about somebody that I'm addressing, I, I don't try to disparage them. Because sometimes you have to talk about people for the sake of creating a strategy to better uh, care for them or better love them. You're not trying to be mean, but you're trying to say, could you help me? Because I have a real issue with this person. Can you give me a perspective that might help me be the friend of them that you seem to have with them? You see what I'm saying? And so this all begins first with God. Having a relationship with God. Well, how do I do that? If you have a relationship with the Bible, you'll have a relationship with God. If you're reading your Bible, if you're looking at your Bible, you will begin to connect with God because the Bible is the heart of God. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. If someone asks you to go to a mile, go two miles. They ask for your shirt, give them your coat. The Bible gives us all kinds of ways to, to represent and demonstrate the heart of God through loving other people. You'll want to be around people who make you better. You'll want to be around people that elevate you instead of pulling you down and holding you back. Iron sharpens iron. And that day, my friend sharpened me. And he made me a better person. We have to realize that this begins with God. Secondly, it's, it's in your home. You know, if you have a better friend, and please hear me. I can speak now from a platform of success and failure. Your spouse needs to be your very best friend. When I hear people, and I'll say this in a moment, that I know sometimes that's not always the case, but why wouldn't your spouse be your best friend? Now, I know you, you know, it's been said, and this is so true. We hurt those we love the most. The ones we love the most, we often hurt the most. Why? Because we get too familiar with them. And, and we take for granted that which God has given us. Never take for granted a friend. Been there, done that. And, and be the kind of person that exhorts and encourages and, and looks at the positive and starts telling them how awesome they are, how great they are, and how incredible they are. And in that moment, you may not feel like they're any of those things, but it doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what God's Word says, and they are the apple of His eye. They're created in the image and likeness of God. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. All of you in here are. All of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. So when you tell someone you're beautiful, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, what you're doing is quoting God. It's so absolutely important. And I used to feel so hypocritical because I allowed my emotions, which are sometimes real and not real, they're valid nonetheless, but I would allow my emotions to speak before I allowed the Spirit to check them. And so I want the Spirit of God to check me before I speak and I want to be able to say, you know what? All of you are my friends. Now, some of you classify friendship as how often you hang out. 
That's not what friendship is. You can hang out with somebody once a year, and they might be your, one of your best friends. Rob Coke and I get together about twice a year. We've been friends for 30 years. He's one of my best friends. I don't see him that much, but we're best friends. See, it's not about the time that you spend together. If you spend any time together, I count you all friends. You know why? Because you get up and come and hear me speak. That's a pretty good friend. You guys are good friends. And some of you don't even know why you're here. I mean, I know some of you are fighting to like me. I get it. And God keeps pulling you here. You know why? Because he wants you to like me. And he wants me to like you. And he wants us to love one another because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And so we need to recognize it begins with God and then it goes to our family. In a moment, I'm going to have you download an app. And it's, it's, if you want to do it right now, how many of you have your iPhone? Raise it up. If you've got an iPhone, some of you, I'll, I'll go through this. Okay. Go, go right now to the App Store. It's free. And download uh, the BFF test. BFF test. When I was a kid, we didn't have BFFs because we weren't going to live long. We just had BFs. <laughs> we just had best friends. We didn't have best friends forever. We just had best friends. And so... The reason I want to do this today is because I want us to grasp the importance of, of what it means to be a healthy friend. Uh, when somebody, you say, well, how do I shut somebody down who, you know, and, and, and really, I don't want to be a part of talking about someone. I want to be a part of talking to someone. And, you know, we all, especially type A's, and I'm a type A, we say things without thinking. We, you know, we really do. We, we're probably worse than a lot of personality types. And I recognize that about me. So I have to pause. And I have to say what I'm about to say. How is this going to land on the people I'm saying it to? And because sometimes I could feed the fire of someone who's struggling in their life to not be the best that God's called them to be. And so there's a couple of thoughts here. My, one of my pastor friends many years ago uh, was a, a pastor of a board-run church. And uh, had some pretty high-profile people on his board. And, and uh, he kind of mentored me for a while when I was uh, about 30. And uh, he had a board meeting one night. It was, I believe it was a Monday night. One of the board members was on a business trip, and, and he couldn't be there. And uh, during that board meeting, one of the other board members, I guess, didn't care a lot for this guy or felt like they had differing opinions, and this would be his night and his opportunity to speak while the other guy wasn't there. So he began to say something about this other gentleman who was absent. My pastor friend stopped him and said, you know what? He needs to be as safe in his absence as he is in our presence. He needs to feel as safe being gone as he does being here. You see, sometimes it's not about what you got to say, whether it's right or wrong. You have to ask, is this productive and beneficial? You may be saying something totally right about the person, but if that person is not there and you're saying it in front of other people, what good is that going to do? If you really love that person, say, I love you and I've just observed certain things and could you help me because I really want to love you. I really want to be your friend. I really want to like you. Could you help me do that? Being a friend is not easy. Being a friend 24-7 under the same roof with somebody is even harder unless you know how those rules work and that a friend loves at all times.
friend loves at all times. Well, if you love somebody, do you want to hurt them? If you really love somebody, you don't want to hurt them. You want to help them. You want to be an encouragement to them. You want to make their life better, not worse. Easier, not more difficult. There's one more example of this that might help you if you're having a struggle with it. Because it's absolutely critical to your soul. You say, well, they'd never find out. They don't need to find out. You're the one that knows what you were doing that goes against the word of God. A gossip, the Bible says in Proverbs, separates friendship. So when you begin to gossip about people, it separates people. It separates you from them, them from others. And so true friends have healthy relationships. And, and they, they respond to the person, not the people around them. And I uh, had one pastor on staff when I started Victory many years ago. Uh, pastor Michael Anderson. Michael was one of my first staff people. Actually, one of the first people to, to help me build the church. He's Today, he's the head of detectives at War Acres. He's uh, in a secular ministry, which to me is probably as great as any ministry he's ever been in. But he watches our, uh, uh, our lobby out here. And uh, Pastor Michael had this thing. If anybody came up to him in the lobby, and uh, since he was our pastoral care overseer, they'd start get ready to say, they wanted to tell him about somebody. He'd say, oh, hold on. Before you tell me, let me call them and ask them to come. It's a polite way of saying, if you're going to talk about them, you're going to talk to them. See, friends protect one another. We, we protect the soul of each other because you can damage people with your words. You can, you can crush people with words. And so we need to be very selective about the words that we speak. Very selective. And, uh, you know, it's, I have people that, you know, they say something like, I'm so fat. I said, no, you're just a wonderful cushion for Jesus. Because <laughs> I could tell it bothers them. And I said, oh, no. You just, you just, just kind of soft for God. Just be nice to people. Figure out a, a response that will make them whole and healthy and not beat them up and tear them down. You can stop a lot of things by just watching the words that you say. Life and death is in the power of what we speak, the tongue. When God created the heavens and earth, he did it with words. He said, let there be. So if you're having trouble with a friendship, say, let there be peace. Let there be joy. Let there be agreement. Let there be God in the middle of our relationship. Let's say things that build people up and not tear them down. Now, you know, I'm a fixer. It's both a blessing and a curse. I see things that are broken that nobody else sees. I, I can walk into worship. Y'all don't see anything. There could be a camel up here and some of you wouldn't even notice. Because you're just the kind of people just having a good time. But there can be a gnat up here and I catch it. And it's one of those things that type A's boast about. But the reality is that's probably been the greatest danger of my life. The greatest difficulty in my life is seeing things and opening my mouth and addressing things I was not asked to address. You know, as a friend, it's not your obligation to tell everybody they're stupid. It's not your obligation to point out when somebody does something wrong. Unless they're going to crash. You know, if they're going straight head on in a car and they're texting. Hey, uh, would you mind getting over? I really didn't plan to die today. But seriously... Oftentimes, I, I, I was talking to a gentleman the other night, and he said, you know, man, I got four accountability partners. 
I'm thinking, your life must be a wreck. First off, let me tell you what an accountability partner isn't. They're not the friend sheriff. They're not there to just look and see everything that I'm doing wrong or done wrong. Accountability partner is someone accountable to help me find the destiny that God has for me. That's what an accountability partner, not to tell me everything I'm doing wrong, but to point me toward the direction of everything that God has right for me. We'll give you three things to look at today. Number one, a friend can't get us to our destiny, but they can daily remind us that we have one. Do you get up every day and remind the friends in your life, you have a destiny? What can I do today to help you reach that destiny? What can I do today to help you get to where God wants you to go? See, that's accountability. That's, that's accountability. Who wants to be around somebody who's always checking, did you do this today? Did you do that today? Why did you? No, just say, hey, listen, I believe in you today. And they might say, well, here's what I've done. Oh, that's interesting. But let me tell you, I believe in you today. And we're going to be bigger than that. And you're going to be better than that. You see what I'm saying? I used to think I could get people to where they needed to go. I, I, I got this, God. I got this. I know how to get them there because I've been there, done that. And now what I realize, I'm nothing more than his light shining into their darkness. So that they're not walking around in the darkness any longer, wondering what God's purpose and God's plan is for them. So when you come here and you hear what I preach and I'm not rebuking you and I'm not correcting you, I'm sharing a truth with you that might bring correction to you. For instance, if I say we all need to forgive the Bible says in order to be forgiven, we must forgive. And some of you who are holding in bitterness, you see that as Mark's correcting me. No, all I'm doing is sharing biblical truth. Talk to Jesus. That's all I'm doing. I'm not telling you to forgive. I'm telling you that Jesus said that we all need to forgive and we'll be forgiven. Well, you may feel that's correction. It's not. It's really direction unless you want to take it from Jesus who's correcting you, and that's fine. But what I'm saying is, when preachers talk about this and start empowering people, we're, we're talked about that we don't preach hard enough. I'm not call, called to preach hard. Jesus is the rock. I'm just going to bring him out there and throw you on him. I'm going to preach so soft that when you hit him, you'll bounce off. Why? Because God didn't come to crush us. He came to build us. He's the cornerstone. And he wants your life to be built up. And he is the cornerstone of what he's building in your life, in your world. Number two, a friend can't change us, but they can live a changed life before us and lead us to our own transformation. So when I get around people who say, man, I tell you, here's what God is doing in my life. When's the last time you ask somebody, what God, what's God doing in your life? Because whatever God's doing in their life might shine light into your life. And transform you. We don't ask enough questions. Friends ask a lot of questions. You know, what's God saying to you? What do you see in me that, that I could do better? See, real friends don't live on the surface. Those are acquaintances. Friends live below the surface to say, because I care so much about you. I believe so much in you. That I want to go below the surface. And, and I want us to have such a relationship that we truly know each other. There are two problems in humanity when it comes to difficulty and crisis. One is we fight. Second is there's flight. So you hear fight or flight, two kinds of people. God didn't intend either one. 
We're not called to fight, not at least with one another. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. Nor are we called to run when there's a crisis. We're called to communicate. Iron sharpens iron. How's that happen? Through honest, truthful communication that's not looking to punish someone or talk about the reason we are where we are, but how to get out of where we are. I could spend the rest of my life looking at my crisis and, and being mad the rest of my life. But I, somebody ran into me at Target just about five or six months ago that used to be on my staff, and I hadn't seen them since my downfall, my crisis, and, and they were very sweet. And uh, they said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing so good. I said, I'm having the opportunity to live what I talked about all these years. That when you're going through hell, God's there with you. I can honestly tell you today, I've gone through hell, and he stayed with me. He never left me. He never forsook me. Now, I talked about all y'all's problems and how he'll be with you all the time. If you're going through a dark spot, he'll be the light shining into that darkness. But you know what? I got to tell y'all something. I'm doing so good because I had an opportunity to tell you that what I preached, I'm now living. And I wouldn't have known it had I not had that crisis. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can thank him for every crisis if you're willing to learn from it. And love through it and walk through it. It's awesome. I'm so thankful for today. I don't look back and go, I can't believe. And I look around and I look at all of you. I was up here worshiping. I looked around and said, God, look at all these wonderful, beautiful people that believe you're the God of a second chance and a third chance. That you never give up on us. You never walk out on us. You represent God to me. You walked in. You didn't walk out. And that means the world to people. And so you don't even realize what you mean to me every Sunday. Every Sunday when I see, see you and those of you watching online, you are my friends because you stayed with me in the hard times and the dark times. You didn't judge me uh, as a person who made a mistake. You loved me as a person that God knew would make a mistake and he sent Jesus to die for me. That's the beauty of God. We all need people to love us. We all need people to forgive us. But our humanity is quick to judge, which is why Jesus stressed so much about forgiveness. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. There's nothing more beautiful than the transformation that happens with God. Lastly, a friend can't make the hard choices of life for us, but they can speak softly to us and make the hard choices less daunting. Don't ask someone else to make choices and don't get mad at somebody if they won't tell you what to do. I've had friends who tell me what I need to do. I need you to tell me. I can't tell you what you need to do, but I can tell you who you need to approach. You need to approach God. God has the answer. Holy Spirit has the answer. He'll answer you if you'll just ask him every detail. I pray over buying a car, selling a car. I think I'll even start praying over buying a refrigerator or selling a refrigerator. <laughs> Why wouldn't God be involved in every detail of my life? And we think that's silly. But the reality is the Holy Spirit wants to be involved in every decision. He is your friend. He's right there. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they stick closer than a brother. They are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
as you can tell, this has been one serious. I started this, and uh, this is still the sermon from the first week. That's how come I'm just kind of going through this, going, God, what do you want to say? For the last, this whole month has been, I worked hard to prepare and study, but every time I get up here, the Holy Spirit starts taking over and saying this, this, and this. And let me say this to you. This, this is earlier, uh, at 930, this just came to me. The reason I say you need to be a good friend to your spouse, and please don't miss this. I am not married. I will be married again. I promise you, don't get mad at me when I do, because I'm going to be one happy camper. Anyway, so... So I'm just preaching truth from the platform of my own situation. And uh, so I'm, you learn. You know you learn. And I don't blame anybody for where I'm at. If I blame anybody, I blame me. But, but I tell you what, when you land, learn. And, and so you need to be a friend to your spouse. Let me tell you why. You can be a spouse to somebody and not be their friend. But you cannot be a friend without being a good spouse. If you are a friend to the person you're living with, you'll be a good spouse. But just because you're a good spouse doing all the things you were told to do doesn't mean you'll be a good friend. So be a good friend. Love each other. We're going to do this test in just a moment, and I'll tell you why. I want to see what you get graded at. Not to punish you, but to say, I need to learn some of these things about my spouse and your children and other friends. I took this test with a very special, uh, with a very special person in mind, and, and I got a 90, and I ain't even married. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I've learned attention to detail is what makes great friendships. Knowing what a person likes. Let's just say it's somebody you work with. What do they like? What do they eat? What's their favorite movie? What's their, you say, well, that's just silly. I'm going to tell you something. People love it when you know about them and you care about them. I'm going to close with this scripture and then we're going to do the BFF test. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, to me, was the scripture that got me through my time. I've read the Bible through numerous times, completely through, underlined, inked, written in, highlighted. Never really saw this scripture because I, I've read the Bible out of New American Standard, NIV, Message. I read different translations. I wanted to read it through and all of those just to kind of get a different understanding of what might be said. This says in Galatians 6, 1, it says, Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness keeping an attentive eye on yourself lest you should be tempted also bear endure carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults and in this way fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ the Messiah and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it friends when you fall down, pick you up. When you lose, they bring it back. That's what friendship is. And in the body of Christ, we have to learn how to be friends. We do things in the name of God in order to satisfy the decisions that we've made. And we need to make sure that we are the kind of friends that's not looking to take, but we're looking to give. 
God wants us to restore one another. Reinstate one another to positions of authority. Jobs, whatever they might be. And God will do that. But we have to maintain a heart of love. Now open up the app, BFF. And I'll read through this for those of you who don't have it. I'll read, read it and you can write it down or you can just think about it. It's called the BFF test. I'll do this with uh, my daughter. How often do you give, and you put the name, it pops up when you put this on there. How often do you give presents? Because let me tell you what, when you give somebody a present, you're thinking about them. You took time to go get it. That's what it says more than the present itself, is you were thinking about them the whole time you went and bought the gift. And I put on here, as often as possible. How often do you get, uh, you two get in arguments? Never, because I refuse to argue. I'll communicate, but I don't argue. I did that most of my life. Made me miserable and everybody around me. So if you want to argue with me, you're not going to have a good time. I can point you to some people that you have a blast with. Let's see here. Okay. Is there any secrets you have never told? No. We share every secret. Now, when I say that, you know, you might say, well, what about... I just have learned that truth and authenticity is the key to vulnerability and intimacy. If you don't have truth, let's just use your spouse, for example. If you are not truthful with your spouse, who is your best friend... You will not have intimacy with them. People say, what's it take to have a great relationship with your spouse? Being honest. Being honest. Next. When did you last talk with Tori? Probably about a week ago. She's in school, so we talk about every week now. Probably should talk a little bit more. Uh, so that'll help you see, am I being the friend I need to be? Because some of you are a friend, honestly, I pick up the phone, and I have certain friends that I call every week. You say, what do you say? I'm just checking in. Sometimes I'll just call and say, hey, I'm just checking in. What, what do you talk about? Nothing. I'm just checking in. How are you doing? Anything I can pray for you about? What's going on in your life? Do you, have you ever had anybody do Doesn't that feel good when somebody says, man, I don't have anything. I'm just checking in. I just want to pray for you. I just want to know you know I'm praying for you. How much does Tori know about you? Unfortunately, everything. <laughs> it is what it is, baby. But you know what? As a result of that, in the end of this thing, we'll be closer than we ever were before. What the devil meant for harm, God turns for good. He works all things together for good. Those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I just quote scripture because God reverses everything that the curse tried to bring on us. When you meet a friend of Tori, you become good friends with them too. But it takes a while to get to know them. Tori never introduces you to anyone. Don't like them. No, the first one. Why? Because she's my friend. And you know what? You, you know what a lot of people do? They get jealous when somebody introduces them to another friend. Don't get jealous when somebody introduces you to another friend. Just look at it this way. I'm getting ready to have me another friend. 
How often do two of you go and hang out? Eh, probably every other week. Do you hang out with Tori more than your other friends? Sometimes. This is maybe on there. Some of you are going through this with me right now. Do you know Tori's favorite food? Of course, Chick-fil-A. When you need advice from Tori, she gives you advice after saying, what, what do you think? She's only 19. She sometimes will just throw it out there, you know. But basically advice after saying, what do you think? And let me tell you this. That's a great line to have is, well, tell me what you think. Sometimes when somebody, a friend, asks us for advice, we jump. Can I tell you something that will save your friendship? Why don't you tell me what you think first? Because I want to hear what you think. They may have answered it and not given themselves credit. Ask them what they think. Friends ask questions. If all you're doing is talking about yourself, you won't have many friends. Ask questions. Where are you from? What do you do? Ask some questions. Get to know people. You get to know them, they'll get to know you. You'll have a great friendship. Do that test, and if you take it, there's, take it again and again. There are several different things. What color they like? What is their flavor, favorite flower? What's their favorite food? There are different ways to test this. Do you know the favorite food of the person you live with? Do you know their favorite color? Do you know their favorite movie genre? Do you, you see what I'm saying? You're not really friends if you don't know what makes this person tick. Get to know them. And it takes time. It takes honesty. It takes trust. It takes trust. I want our friendships to be stronger. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these people that I call friend. Lord, we know that we have a family of origin. And we have a family of choice. A family of choice are the people that we choose, not the family we were born into, but the family that we choose. We call them friends. Lord, these are my friends. They're family of choice. We've chosen to worship together at Mosaic Church here in Oklahoma City and online. We're friends. And God, we're not always the best of friends, but if we hang around with good friends, we'll bring the best out of each other. So Lord, help us to model our lives after you. You left heaven to come to earth to be our friend, not just our savior, not just our healer, but to be our friend. You sacrificed everything. You gave so much to show us what friendship really is. And not in dysfunctional ways. We see times when you dealt with the rich young ruler. He wasn't willing to sell what he had, give to the poor and follow you. And it wasn't that you didn't love him, but but he wasn't willing to be that kind of friend who emulated what you did, which was make her sacrifice. Help us, Lord, to realize that there are good times and there are better times, some difficult times. We'll be the kind of friend the friend will want to have. With every head bowed, every eye closed, <clears throat> maybe you've not made Jesus your friend. Maybe you've not given your life to him. The Bible says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've not called on the name of the Lord, I want to call on him with you today. I want to be a friend enough to say I care enough about your eternity and not just that, your heaven on earth. When you get born again, all of a sudden God begins to pour out heaven on your life. Gives you wisdom, gives you peace, gives you joy. 
And if you've not done that, I want to pray for you right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, those of you watching online as well. But if you're here in the house, would you just lift your hand up and say, please pray for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Several of you, thank you. Over here on my left, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want us all to pray this, and those of you watching online, wherever you are, in your hotel room, in your house, wherever you might be, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your only son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I call on your name, and I declare today I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.